0: This is The Grid, presented by American Shield Roofing and Construction, LLC. When you find yourself needing a roof repair and are looking for a roofing company, American Shield Roofing and Construction is happy to meet your needs. When dealing with a roofing company, you need a roof contractor who is dependable, who can arrive on time, and provide you a quality new roof in a timely manner. Our goal is to present you with honest, accurate information, quotes, and estimates. Call us at 361-343-7018 or visit us at americanshieldroofing.com. Proud title sponsor of the 2021-2022 Victoria Advocate Varsity Cup Awards. Well, I knew there was going to be one time where I messed up on the on the on the readout sometime, so there, there we go. We get that one out of the way. I'm Sam Fowler, Assistant Sports Editor at the Victoria Advocate, joined as always by sports editor Mike Foreman and Sports Reporter Jeremiah Sosa as we dig into episode five of the grid. We're already, into, we're already into week five. But I'll tell you what, the the most interesting thing that's happened this week was the announcement, which was which I saw Dave Campbell's Texas football's Matt Step tweet out. Dallas ISD is going to close its press boxes 30 minutes after every game and there is a collective groan from sports journalists around the state including the three of us in here. We want to hear from you though. Give us your questions through Facebook, Twitter or email and we will discuss it on air. We have yet to hear from you so I am uh, I'm calling on all of y'all to Go ahead, send us your questions. We'll answer it. Even if it's something you think we're doing wrong, we will do our best to explain it or defend what we do. You can reach us through Facebook, either through the Victoria Advocate or Advo Sports Facebook pages, through Twitter, via DM at AdvoSports, or via email, sports at VicAd.com. Mike, we're going to start with your game. It was a top four matchup, and it wasn't... It, it, it looks closer than it was, but Cal Allen comes in and gets gets a double-figure win over Cuero, 24-8 to eight. turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. The Gobblers didn't look like the Gobblers, did they?
1: No, it it, it was definitely a wake-up call for Cuero. Uh, First of all, uh, Cal Allen's an excellent team. Uh, I was really impressed. Uh, with its quarterback, a very accurate thrower, uh, threw 16 passes, uh, completed, I believe, 10 of them. He threw a lot of them, um, there were defenders around the receiver and he threw it, he threaded the needle, so I have to give him credit. You flip it over in Cuero, uh, three interceptions, fumble, uh, one of the interceptions came right at the end of the first half when Quero's on the uh, Cal Island one-yard line. Uh, then they fumble when they're on the uh, two-yard line. So there's two scores right there, and you've got a ball game. Uh, they can't do that. Uh, I think this was a good learning experience for them. Uh, they'll take away now some things. Uh, they were exposed a little bit. Uh, defensively. Cal Cal Allen was able to do some things against them defensively. The other thing was that probably has gone unnoticed because just because the score was Quero's special teams weren't very good. And uh, they're going to have to clean that up because those things are very important in the playoffs. And uh, But it's like uh, Coach Fikach said after the game, um, you really don't know what kind of what kind of team you have until you get hit with some kind of adversity well they faced their first adversity the other night and uh we'll see how they bounce back when they play Beville on Friday because uh Beville of course took its first loss too it lost to Somerset uh knocked it out of the rankings Quero remained in the state rankings but uh Quero knows that it's going to have to play a better game when it faces a uh a solid opponent.
0: Yeah, Quero, they remain at number five in class in class four or they dropped to number five in class four A Division two following the loss to Cal Allen and you know, beville they I mean that's that's a good Somerset team they lost to. I mean, both of those are I mean, you never, you don't want to lose those games, but if they're games where where you're okay taking a loss, those are certainly good good moments to do it rather than when district play opens up. Uh, speaking of teams getting, uh, speaking of teams getting good wins, how about the Bobcats down in Bloomington? They they're having they're having a historic year so far. They defeat Runge fifty four to nothing. They move to 3-1. and one. This is the first time since 2014 that the Bobcats have won three games. They're 3-1 and one as they get ready to turn the page to the gauntlet that is their district, District 15-2A, Division 1 with Refurio, Shiner, Ganado, Three Rivers. Just a brutal district slate coming up. But let's talk about what the what the Bobcats did right, and it's it seems like their tempo offense is is really working out. And I know Mike, you went out there after they won their season opener, and you know you could see they were they just they just won a game. They could have rested on their laurels, but they didn't. They didn't. Want, they didn't want to head coach Brandon Krause in his first year. He's out there. He's making sure that they're paying attention to the details. That they are trying to do everything right to win every game possible, you know, you're starting to, you're starting to see that progress from this Bloomington team. Just what stands out to you the most from, from that Bloomington win?
1: The biggest thing, Sam, is like you brought up is they're putting a lot of points on the board. Uh, you know, you can talk about the quality of their opponent, but their offense is obviously working for them. Uh, they're, They seem to be using their personnel in the best way that suits them. Now, we'll see how this uh, shakes out when they uh, open district against Refurio, because obviously that's going to be a a tough test. I mean, they go from – and then they turn around and have to play Shiner. So uh, they don't get any rest to start off district. But, uh, you know, like you said, the first uh, three wins since 2014, the last time they had four wins in the season – was 1999 and the the significance of that is in 1999 was also the last time that Bloomington went to the playoffs so uh, I know they have some goals down there and they'll be shooting for them Um, I think uh, the biggest thing for them is uh, to approach these first two district games like hey let's see where we are you know how we do against two of the top 10 teams in the state see how we come out of here and let's use that as uh, motivation for the rest of district because i mean uh there are four playoff spots and uh you know if you can see how you stack up against uh the two district favorites then of course you'll see you know because it's like you mentioned with ganado and three rivers and kennedy that's not an easy district. So, uh, it's going to be tough for Bloomington. Uh, you know, they'll come into this, uh, the game with a 37 game district losing streak. So, uh, I'm sure they would like to, to break that at some point. And, uh, if they could, you know, really, I guess you have to win, uh, you basically what you're talking about is winning, uh, I guess two or three games to get in the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, they should be happy with what they've done. I mean, you play the people who are on your schedule, and uh, they've won three out of four. And so, uh, you know, that's you have to be happy with what you've done.
0: Certainly no shortage of confidence so far down in, as head coach Brandon Krause calls it, Train City, Bloomington. They're 3-1. and one. We will move down to Matagorda County. And a battle of really uh, of two teams, both two and one, in week four, Industrial comes out with a with a really quality win over Tidehaven. The Cobras win 42-22 in El Elmington, and the offense finally started to click for the Cobras. But it had to come from a defensive play. Senior defensive lineman. Ben Cohn gets a fumble recovery, runs 36 yards the other way for his first career touchdown and for one of the, the hardest-working players on Industrials' team. He wasn't quite sure what he had to do when that ball came loose.
2: I wasn't ready for it. I was going outside because he was running outside, and then we had one of our defensive nose, to, uh, nose hit, hit him and force his arm to, into a lock. And it wound up falling in front of me. And then I didn't know how to react, so I just grabbed the ball, just picked up the ball, and took off running. And was, the next
0: thing I know, we we're home sweet home. Home sweet home indeed. That sparked a twenty-eight point, twenty-eight unanswered points for the Cobras. That was actually the go-ahead touchdown for Industrial, and they never looked back. And from the offensive perspective, though, Ashton Garza, he – Head coach Craig Nairn told me before the game he didn't really want to run Garza that much. He wanted to see him throw the ball. He wanted to see him do do it through the air and and include someone like Clarence Hosey and and try and open up the playbook a little bit. But, you know, Tidehaven was doing a good job in pass defense and just left left plenty open for Garza, who went for 128 yards and a hat trick of touchdowns for the Cobras as they moved to – Three and one. Head coach Craig Nairn was really pleased with his junior quarterback.
1: Ashton is getting more and more comfortable each week, and you can tell it. um, You know, same thing. He, he he did have the hot hand. That's a good way of putting it. You know, so in our offensive line, man, they are they're smart.
0: Um, they can move well. They they open up some holes. They know where they're going, and so that helps Ashton out a ton. Garza, big game for him. Really, kind of settling in. As the signal caller for the Cobras, tight even though what stood out to me though Mike what and we we thought that we didn't think this was going to happen uh, before the season, you know, Jason Duran, he was their quarterback last year. We thought he was going to be the guy this year, but in steps uh, freshman quarterback Kale Russell in in the preseason in, in fall camp to really take over the take over the position he did well in the scrimmage and and head coach david lucio said he was really pleased to see that knowing that he's got two guys that can operate the the offense for the tigers well the job's now kale russell's and he did he played phenomenal and in this game i mean 14 to 26 298 yards two touchdowns he hit to sean davis for two touchdowns one for 65 yards and the other a 99-yard touchdown off right after Braxton Warren's punt pinned the Tigers inside the one. Looked really good for the Tigers, but you know, like head coach David Lucio said, he didn't want to see the explosive plays. He wanted to chew up the clock. He didn't want to give the ball back to industrial. Well, that's what happened. Now we're going to look at A game down in Calhoun County. The Yokum Bulldogs move. They pick up their first win of the season with a 28-21 win. The significance of this is head coach Bo Robinson is now one win away from his 200th in his career. Mike Fortman caught up with Robinson earlier this week to see how he was feeling about going for number 200.
1: Like I said earlier, just that I'm getting old. And, uh... I was with my dad when he won his 200th game. I was his defensive coordinator. So, you know, that doesn't seem like very long ago, but it it was in 1996. So, uh, this means I've been doing it a long time, I guess. Had some really good players and coaches.
0: Well, Jeremiah, you were down there, and it was a really good good performance by running back Ty Gordon. They've kind of been waiting for him to, to step up 125 yards, a touchdown for him. And Calhoun just struggled to hang on to the ball and really get any sort of momentum. What'd you see from Sand Crab Stadium on Friday?
3: Yeah, well, what I, what I saw from uh, Sand Crab Stadium was that you know uh, Yokum could could really run the ball really well. Um, quarterback Ty Gordon, he like like Sam said, he had you know 125 yards and a touchdown. And um, yeah, like, like for Calhoun's offense, they really struggled to get the ball moving. and I, I know they had uh, two big plays through the air for touchdowns. That they had another. 70 71 yard rushing to, uh, touchdown but you know 177 of their 303 total yards came from those three plays so you know outside of those three big plays they really had a, a a hard time you know doing anything else I mean they ran the wall they ran the ball pretty decently but um, but they were they were they were dealing with a third string quarterback you know Alex Parker I know uh, you know I talked to coach Whitaker after the game and he said that his team they had been dealing with a lot of injuries so you know, for for them to to go to zero four and you know lose lose their fourth straight game of the season, yeah, it, it was pretty tough for them. But you know, at the same time, they they really had a, a a tough time dealing with injuries. And you know, I think moving forward, as long as uh they start getting some players back back in their lineup, they they should be good. And um yeah, but overall, it was a, a good win for Yokum to get their first one of the season. And um uh, you know, uh Calhoun, I know they're struggling, but once they get some players back, I think they'll they'll be able to get back on track.
0: A lot of first-quarter jitters for for the Sand Crabs, according to head coach Richard Whitaker, who Jeremiah caught up with after Friday's game. Well, I thought once we got the jitters out the first quarter, I understand we were starting a very young quarterback tonight that's never started on Friday night. Uh, we were starting a... Fullback, it's you know not not our normal Spartan fullback, and I, it, we just we had some opportunities there in the first quarter, and we really let them go with, by just turning the ball over there. I, I thought that first quarter was just horrendous for us. So that I think Mike, that's the first time since nineteen ninety nine that Calhoun's gone Owen 4 You're shaking your head yes at me. So e I mean I mean you know they did have their they did have their adversity that kind of put them behind the eight ball so i mean i don't think you'd put too much stock into that but still i mean to look at that and 23 years ago the last time that calhoun was 0 and four it's kind of it's kind of a stark thing to look at now we're gonna look at two of the top ranked teams in our area shiner number four in the state they dominate again 49 to 7 winners over East Bernard, and once again, the Texas A&M commit, Dalton Brooks, big game for him, what, 18, 16 tackles for him, 16, and 183 yards on offense, three touchdowns, you know, Shiner looks like they're finding their groove, it looks like Shiner is getting back to its dominant ways, and it looks like they're going to be another. They're going to be another contender again, as as you figure they should be. When you look at what Shiner's done over the last three weeks, you know what stands out that they've done to put themselves back in the conversation to lift another trophy.
1: It just seems like that uh, Shiner is just it's it's finding its identity really uh i mean it's it it is a change from year to year and they did have some new kids in that first night out against uh and uh they made some mistakes but uh now i think uh they're starting to figure it out and uh they're getting things together look they you know when you lose someone like Doug Brooks you have to readjust your game because obviously he's a force on both sides of the ball. You know, up front defensively and then in the backfield, you've got that guy that can get you the, you know, the hard, tough yardage. Um, I think the other thing I've noticed and I was out there this week in practice, uh Dalton Brooks, it's it's not just his athletic ability, it's his intelligence and knowledge of the game that you just go out there and watch he'll put people in the right position. He'll sit there at practice and say, no, you need to do this or you should be doing this. And I mean, when you have a player on the field like that, that is such a tremendous uh, benefit to your team because, uh, you know, just being able to make those adjustments without the coach having to point it out is, is really great. So I think Shiner is uh kind of back and uh I think at, with every game he plays a quarterback, Ryan Peterson becomes more comfortable in the position. So uh and uh from what uh what coach Josh Irvin from Ganada pointed out this week, since I'm covering that game, is uh he he said Peterson does a good job of running the football as well and that's always big when your quarterback can run cuz obviously that's another person you have to account for. So uh I I think Shiner is uh beginning to come around and be the team that pretty much everyone thought they would be again.
0: And the last the la- one of the last ones we'll touch on is referral 49 Bishop 0. I mean we we talk about Shiner being back to its ways refurios back to its ways jordan king seven carries 136 yards two touchdowns it seems like the bobcats have a lot of weapons they're up to number five now and and it's setting up that that mid-district showdown between the two in refurio to be just like it was last year in in the regional final uh, you know you see this refurio team and how they've grown. It see, it seems like Shiner has been the cause of that growth. I mean, they've wanted to be physical on the line. They've wanted to dominate in every phase and early on. They are.
1: I I think refurio is still a work in progress. Uh, they're, they're very good, very explosive as we've seen, but, uh, very young and, uh, young players with a new offense, uh, you know, at times they're going to look really good, and at times I think there might be some struggling going on. Um, they, uh, the more though, the more experienced uh, the players get, the better Refurio is going to be. And uh, you know, and you know, I know coaches like to say we take it one game at a time, you know, but don't kid yourself. Both Refurio and Shiner have got that game in mind, and. That they're also dealing with the fact that they most likely there'll be two games, so it's kind of a weird dynamic there where you know they're getting to the point where they want to be undefeated going into that game, how they approach that game, and then how that affects what could be a second game in the quarterfinals. So that's interesting, but I uh I just look for Furio to get better and better, and um. I've said this before. I think the next two years for Furio could be really, really have some of its best, best teams because uh, those those young kids are going to grow up, and uh, they've got others coming. And uh, from what I understand, they have some big linemen coming, and that's what they really need. So uh, this is it's going to be fun to watch these two teams as they grow closer to that matchup.
0: And briefly. Uh, we'll get we'll get to Jeremiah on this because we got to get to we got to get to our one of our ads. Jeremiah, what's what's one game that stood out to you the most? One one result, what what stood out to you from week four last week?
3: Yeah, I know we kind of already uh, talked about it earlier, but really, what stood out to me was Bloomington getting that big win over Rungi. I mean, when you when you uh, hold a team to zero points and you score score over fifty, I think that really kind of shows. Um, Kind of shows shows what you're you're capable of, and kind of gives you a kind of good moment momentum going into district play. So really, that was that was kind of the game that stood out to me, and kind of kind of it's kind of good to see Bloomington kind of have success. Oh, you know over, uh, you know over these past few years where they haven't had a lot of success. So that was one of the games that stood out to me.
0: On the other side of this break, we will talk to staff photographer Kit McAvoy, who's working on a very unique piece for this entire season, but first a message from White Trash Services. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ, White Trash Services, what is it and, and, and what do y'all do?
1: Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll off of companies
0: and you know y'all are y'all are big advocates for for sports throughout the crossroads region just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all all high school sports throughout the victoria area
1: high school sports are amazing one they keep kids out of trouble it teaches them about character teaches them about right and wrong uh how to do better in life you learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football
0: And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll off, or apply to be a part of your team?
1: You can give us a call at 361 550 1826. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, 8 to 5 during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those
0: things. Welcome back here to episode five of The Grid. Sam Fowler and I'm joined by staff photojournalist Kit McAvoy, and he's been following around a unique story throughout the early stages of this season. Kit, you've been following around the Victoria Homeschool Cobras, a six-man football team comprised of homeschool students, and it's a very unique story in that you know, it's it's not something you see a lot of when you think of homeschool. You don't necessarily think of sports teams. What was your inspiration behind going out and following following this team throughout practice and now games in the season?
2: Yeah, Sam, thanks for having me. So, like you said, when you think of homeschooling you don't necessarily think of there being an athletic component to that and I mean it makes perfect sense that there would be I just didn't know that it existed until I which I wasn't even really looking for it I was looking for a local six-man team because I've wanted to photograph it since I found out it was a thing probably last year when I moved here so when I stumbled across that everything just kind of seemed to come together it's something we've done a little bit of coverage of in past years but you know we don't really get to them that often and it felt like a really good candidate for kind of a long form you know over the course of a season type photo essay slash you know story so there we are
0: and you you were just able to go out to watch your first game of the season this past this past weekend you know you photograph your for, for anyone listening. Literally, one of your first assignments a- after you moved here was, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna go to Elgin and we're gonna go cover a state semifinal as Fall City uh took on Mart, and it was a wild game. But you know, you were thrown you were thrown into the fire there, and that's basically all you've seen. What stood out to you the most when you're out there covering the Cobras game on Saturday?
2: Oh uh, well, they're, they're you know they're very different environments, but when you, you know, kind of take away, I don't know if pageantry is the right word, but the spectacle maybe of these like really big kind of statewide games um, and you just kind of get to focus on the players, on the coaches. I mean, there's no deafening crowd or anything like that. There are certainly really enthusiastic fans, but... The level of intensity on the, of like the players isn't different whether they're playing for ten people or twenty people or hundred people or what have you. You know, I mean, they're there and they're serious, and I just it feels like a very kind of, um, I'm not sure what the word is, but uh, kind of stripped back way to look at sports, and I think that's what I've been enjoying about it.
0: And you know, you obviously no matter what team it is if it's a six man team or an 11 man team or whatever sport there you always find what we call a face a subject in in a team and you know there's got to be there's got to be multiple thing multiple people who have stood out to you stories w- without giving too much away before before the 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 long form photo essay comes out. Just what, what are some storylines that have caught your attention and, and really, really kind of made you want to dig deeper?
2: Yeah. So I'm still really getting to know the team and the players kind of uh, like, you know, what they can do and things like that. I think, um, you know, not being a sports reporter, being someone who focuses on the pictures, it's kind of new to me to kind of have to, start thinking in those terms but one of the things that i found pretty interesting about the cobras is just that you know they are a team that have nearly doubled in size this year as compared to last year i think they went from about 14 players to uh mid 20s upper 20s so um when i talked to the head coach mark chavez he mentioned that you know with that pretty significant jump there's going to be some growing pains and um seeing how the team manages that is kind of, I think the heart of what the story is going to be about.
0: Well, I think that will wrap up this segment when on the other side of this, we will preview games throughout the crossroads region as we head into week five. Wow. Week five. We're already there almost halfway through with the regular season. On the other side of this break, we got previews from West East St. Joseph and, and some other massive games in the area. Before we move on to previews, I want to let you know, if you want to, you can put your ad right here as we come back in from our second segment and have it right before previews for this for this show. I mean, you get on here, you get in front of thousands and thousands of listeners. We've done... We want to thank our listeners for that as well. They've, they've certainly been a big part of this for us, and we couldn't be happier to provide this service to you. So now let's dig into previews. We got an early week. We got a Thursday game. Victoria West heading down to Cabinet Stadium to take on Corpus Christi King. Both teams 0-3. That's a 7 o'clock kickoff on Thursday. West is coming off a bye week, and there's no two ways about it. They should win this game. I mean, Corpus Christi Christi King, 153.7 yards per game, and they're allowing 34 points per game. Head coach Courtney Boyce knows that in order to get this win, it's going to have to come down to this short week of practice for the Warriors. Yeah, I think it's about how
1: we practice, you know, and how we, uh, you know, how we work and uh, communicate with each other is what's going to make us, uh, you know, uh, successful on, on any game night. So, you know, I mean, it's everybody's 0 and 0, uh, first district ball game is always the toughest. Everybody brings their A game. There's no assumptions about anything. And, uh, you know, you got to continue to push forward.
0: Head coach Courtney Boyce is expecting Corpus Christi King to come out and play inspired football meanwhile west they're averaging 100 they've been they've been doing well on the ground even though even though they don't have a win to show for their work 184.7 yards per game on the ground and that's been led by junior kamari montgomery he's averaging 102 yards per game he's looking he's looking really good at the position he's only played three games at the position and he's in a spot to do some good things and that's where It's going to that's what it's gonna come down to for West is if they're able to just ride Montgomery for for another hundred yards, maybe maybe a couple of touchdowns. You know, and the interesting thing is last year this Corpus Christi King game is when West finally found its groove and finally got some confidence in their offense, they blew out the Mustangs last year and then QB, Braden Ludeker, he threw for over 300 yards, had four touchdowns, something like that, just had a monster game. So that's kind of what the Warriors are looking for. Then back home, it's going to be Victoria East looking to hopefully maintain a positive trend against Corpus Christi Carroll. The Titans, who are 0-3, host Corpus. the Tigers from Corpus Christi Carroll, who are 2-1 at 7.30 on Friday at Memorial Stadium. You know, Jeremiah, you went out and you talked to East and you got to hear from them. Can the Titans snap the skit? Can East maintain the streak of four straight wins over Carroll?
3: Yeah, I think I think that could really happen. Um I think that East could get the win, but I think what really has to happen is their defense has to step up. When you look at this past three games, they've they've given up a uh, an average of forty eight points per game. Um, you know the offense is doing fine. I think J- Jaden Daniels and Jacarian Giles. Um, I mean, sorry, Jaden, Jaden Williams. Um, you know those two they have consistent uh, you know performances throughout each of these games. But this defense is really what has struggled um, the over this non district schedule. Like I said, giving up forty eight points per game an average. Um, but I mean, the coaching staff—they—they they knew that this non-district uh, schedule would be tough. Uh, so really, really, what this defense is going to have to do is just step up for for this game against Corpus Christi Carroll. And I think if they do step up, and if the offense continues their kind of like their trend that they're that they're on right now, I think that East has a good chance of uh, you know defeating Carroll in their first district game.
0: Then you head up the road to Jackson County Ed uh, in Edna. Saint Joseph, who's one and two, will host. Hey, it's the Battle of St. Joseph's. Victoria St. Joseph hosts Brownsville St. Joseph at 7 p.m. Friday at Cowboy Memorial Stadium. The Flyers are one and two. Meanwhile, the Bloodhounds. ow oh, that's a that's that's an all-time mascot name right there. Bloodhounds are two and one. The Flyers have been getting really, really good performance out of Gage Pereira. He had a 300-yard performance against Houston Northland Christian, which was good enough to get built for tough player of the week in private schools. Mike, you went out and you talked to him after winning that award. What stood out to you from Barrera and the Flyers as they were going through their bye week last week?
1: I think uh, Barrera was pretty pleased. Uh, He uh, gave a lot of credit to his offensive line, as any good back should. And... uh, there uh there i think this is one of those matchups that uh you don't really know because you it's hard to measure the level of opponent that uh Brownsville St. Joseph has been playing um Brownsville uh there it's one loss was to a, a 5A school down there Veterans Memorial uh but you just don't know so cuz uh Coach Dupree said one of their wins came over, I believe it was Santa Rosa, who he said is not a very good team. So uh, this will be a good test because uh, being in an eight-team district, uh, I'm sure it's either four or five teams make the playoffs in that district. Um, This will see. These are the games that St. Joseph needs to win because uh, obviously the opponents coming up from Austin are very tough. Regents, Hyde Park, uh, I'm not sure if St. Michael's is as good as they as they usually are. And then you've got St. Anthony from San Antonio, which has been playing pretty good ball, too. So these are the games you really need to win, and you want to get your district off to a good start. Now, I would think one advantage they have, uh, you know, this this is like a three-hour trip, at least, for Brownsville. Come up here on a bus on a Friday. So, uh, you know, that might be a a little advantage that the Flyers have when they uh, when they take the field. Um, I'm anxious to see what uh, Kevin Alstrom has to say about this game.
0: Next, Mike, we're going to get to your game. Shiner travels to Jackson County to take on ganado Here we go. ganado Shiner, district opener. ganado's undefeated. Gennado has looked really, really good through four games, and... There's a lot of confidence coming out of Canedo. talking to when you talk to head coach Josh Irvin, just how did that confidence kind of permeate through the phone?
1: yeah, I think uh one thing Josh Irvin said is the kids are excited and they seem to have bought in to what they're trying to do you know the the changes in system have been very not very many I mean he was the offensive coordinator last year, so. They made a few tweaks on defense, but offensively they're basically the same. I think. Uh, I think what's happened there is uh, when he took over, he tried to get you know a little excitement going in the program, and I think what really helped Ganado, I think seven on seven helped Ganado. They got to go to the state tournament. They actually won a game on the second day, um, and that helped them, you know, kind of get through. Kind of build on that. And like uh, Shiner, we talked about Dalton Brooks. Well, Gennado has Kyle Burrish Guerrero. There's another guy that's been there four years. And he knows that offense backwards and forwards. And uh, he's another uh, player that you can rely on, you know, on the field, kind of coach on the field type player. So uh, this is a good measuring stick because uh, Gennado has always been right there, good program. But what they need to see is can they take that next step and get into the elites with the Shiners and the Refurios. And uh, that's what, to me, this this game is kind of, you know, all about whether how they measure up to the top flight competition in the state.
0: Then I'll be pulling double duty this week with, since Wes is playing on a Thursday, that frees me up to go cover a second game on Friday and, as a former football player, you know you know I love nothing more than getting getting my fix of football, whether it's high school, college, pro, doesn't matter. I'll be going I'll be going to well, here we go. Jackson County again. It's it's the week of Jackson County. I'll be at Goliad Industrial. That's a district opener. Both teams three and one. Goliad looks Goliad looks really, really good this year. They just handed Jerdenton, its first loss of the season, 31 to 8 winners. And, you know, the Tigers, they're allowing their defense has been their bread and butter this year. I mean, they've they've got a phenomenal offense. I don't want to take anything away from that, but their defense is allowing twelve point seven five points per game. And this is going to turn into a defensive slug fest. And I'm certainly a little bit excited about it because there's nothing there's nothing better than a defensive game well we'll look we'll look around the area and Mike just real quickly I mean we got we're we're kind of running a little long this week what's what's one game in the area that we haven't talked about that really catches your eye and could could prove to be a, a real interesting and close game.
1: Well, actually, there are two games, and they're both the same district, District 12-4A, uh, Division One, and that is you have El Campo going to Navasota and Bay City going to Brazosport. Those are, that district is going to be very competitive. I think uh, every team in that district has a chance to make the playoffs, and um, Navasota's only loss has been to Belleville, and if you've watched, Belleville's in the top ten, and it's been killing people. And so that was Navasota's only loss. El Campo seems to be back on track. So that should be a great matchup. And uh, Bay City has played a lot better than everybody thought. Their defense has been just really good. And uh, this is a big game for them because uh, Robert Jones, the coach, said before the game that he felt like getting a good start to district was kind of the key to their playoff hopes. So keep a close eye on those two games. I I think those will be uh, very telling
0: before we wrap it up, we got to mention the Calhoun Sandys. They're up. The, I I don't have anything to confirm this, but I know it's, uh, I believe this is the highest ranking in, in school history for the Sandys. I wouldn't be surprised if it was, but I know for sure under head coach Jenna Buzak that this is in fact the highest ranking because when they got up to, I think it was number four or number three, that was, that was the highest ranking. So just keep they, – they they continue to climb. They want, to get, they want a five-setter against Sinton on Tuesday. So Sandy's doing really well. Victoria West, they opened up zone play, which that's just absolutely bizarre the way they're doing it. And it's going to be that way for basketball season as well. And I don't know if they're also doing it for, for the spring sports as well. A north and a south zone in District 29, 5A, with Victoria East and West as well as – the corpus christi isd schools gregory portland and flower bluff so you you play everyone out of your zone once and then the four the four other teams in your respective zone you play them twice and the teams that you play out of zone doesn't doesn't count but somehow it does it's 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 bizarre and it's confusing and it causes a headache for most sports writers however West opens up with a sweep of Corpus Christi Ray. Then we saw some absolutely bizarre scores on Tuesday. Goliad, who beat Mathis in three sets on Tuesday, they won the second set 25 to nothing. I have never, I have never seen a score like that. Then the team that they're going to face in a non-district matchup on Saturday, St. Joseph, and the 3-0 win over Laredo St. Augustine to move to 4-0 in district play. St. Joseph somehow outlasted St. Augustine 38-36. I mean, I don't know how either team was able to play two more sets after after that. Some some just bizarreness happening on the hardwood on Tuesday. Well, as we wrap it up, as well, Mike. Mike is pointing to me. Mike has something to say.
1: As many of you listeners might know, some might not. Uh, Jeremiah here is a alum of Arizona State, and this week Arizona State had a coaching change. As, uh, everyone might remember Herm Edwards from the played in, in the NFL and coach, uh, uh, maybe most famous for his "You play to win the game" remark. But he obviously wasn't winning enough games at Arizona State. So uh Jeremiah will see how his Sun Devils do the rest of the year under uh interim
0: coach. <laughs> it's about that it's about that time of year where I mean, he's not the first one. Scott Frost got booted from Nebraska and after losing to uh Georgia Southern and and just looking awful all around. Well, we want to thank our sponsors, American Shield Roofing and Construction, LLC, and White Trash Services for helping make this podcast possible. Be sure to like, follow, and share to keep up with the leader in sports coverage in the crossroads with this podcast, as well as our everything else we do from videos to stories for the Victoria Advocate So that's going to wrap it up week five. Be sure to get out to any game this weekend. Be sure to follow our coverage this weekend as well. If you want the most in-depth wrap ups from games and we will see you next week with episode six of the grid.